this was so much fun to record. Rabbi Rachel is the Jewish chaplain here at Georgetown. And in this interview, she talks about getting stuck on elevators, advice she would give to Georgetown students, best advice she's ever received and worst advice she's ever received. I don't want to give too much away. So without further ado, please enjoy this hilltop chat with Rabbi Rachel. Okay. So can I start? Of course you can start. I just want to begin by commending you, Jordan, for thinking this up. Um, I've watched you ask people about their reflections on life, and um, as you search for meaning in your own process, ask us how we search for meaning. And then to shape this into something and put it out in the world as an offering to whoever will receive it, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for taking your journey and offering it as a guide for others. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I mean it. I have... Questions. But they're they're more just like lead-offs. Okay. So it's like we, we'll say a question and then wherever <clears throat> it takes us, okay. we'll go with it. Um, so first, I want to play... A game, like a hypothetical. Okay. Okay, so say that you are officiating a wedding and you get stuck in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) That could never happen. No, (laughs) no, no. With just the whole wedding party, like the bride and groom. I've never heard of such a thing happening. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe that's not the right. You want me to comment on that experience? I you really do. Do. <laughs> do you want to ask the question so that? The question or give us some context in terms of how you found yourself in that position. Okay. Well, um, so in Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. there are really two parts to a wedding ceremony. The first part is done in private or in a small small collection of intimate people mm-hmm. where you sign uh, the covenant, the wedding covenant called the ketubah, and you um, sing some songs and you, you you do something called the bedek and you do a few opening rituals yeah. and then you go out into the big room with everybody else and you parade towards the chuppah, the wedding canopy, and you have your big ceremony. So uh, a couple, about a year ago now, I was doing a wedding for a couple, and we did the small opening ceremony, and then we all got in the elevator to go to the um, downstairs to where everybody was waiting, about 200 people waiting outside. Mm-hmm. And this was a very large elevator because it was in an art studio that was formerly a torpedo factory. So the That's elevator right. could hold a torpedo, and it could also <laughs> hold an entire 24-person wedding party. Wow. Or so you thought. Or so we thought. That's a good point. Maybe we'll prove that to be not the case. So we went down about a foot, and then eh, the elevator completely stopped. <laughs> and all I'm thinking, you have to understand, I have like no phobias mm. except being caught in an elevator. Wow. Since I was a little girl. So um, the elevator stops, and I'm thinking, my first thought is, well, this is not happening, actually. <laughs> It's actually not happening. And then my second thought was, it is happening. And then my third thought was, what? well, I'm supposed to be the rabbi here. I'm supposed to be the calm, spiritual center in the storm. 
what am I going to say? Right, right. And all I could really think of was like, please, God, don't let me throw up. <laughs> don't let me throw up. <laughs> so, um, you know what was amazing about that experience? We got mm. through it, but what was amazing, it was about a half an hour. Mm. Um, we called the fire department um, twice, and they came, and in that half hour, it was very, very hot. This was the summer in D.C., or in Virginia, and um, people really rose to the occasion. Really? Like, everybody in that elevator was focused on the bride and groom wow. and their grandparents. I mean, there were mm. elderly people in there, which was right, a little right. disconcerting or you know, concerning. Yeah. But people just, they just made the best out of it. Yeah. They started like, should we sing a song? Should we, you know, they were making jokes. The photographer was there taking pictures and we, they turned it into something. Right, right. And somebody made a joke and said, well, they've already done the official part of the wedding, so this could be their honeymoon. And we're like, no, 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 no. But what I learned in that moment was that even as a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. you can rely on the community to uplift you too and to carry the community. It's not just on my shoulders. Right. Because I really wasn't in much of a state I, to be, I was present as I could and kind of managed my own, you know, experience. Right. Um, but that. That was a beautiful thing, that people rise to help, and it doesn't all fall on you sometimes, even when you think you're the one who has to carry everything. Mm. And then the doors open in there. I've never (laughs) been so happy to see a fire department in my life. And my comment was uh, that I still, I said, you know, God comes to us in so many forms, and today God has come to us in the form of a firefighter. Oh, man. Then we went out Mm -hmm. to the ceremony, and in that moment, I thought, okay, I wasn't really able to be rabbinic in the elevator. (laughs) I just kept my (laughs) self together. Right. But now I can, Mm. because I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling strong, and so I better think of something to say. (laughs) So on the way to the chuppah, during the parade towards the, you know, chuppah, I thought of something, and I got under the canopy, and I did the opening blessings, and then I said... For this wedding, I want to add a particular a psalm mm. um, that we don't usually say at the beginning of a wedding, but I'm going to say it. And yeah. I sang the song, and I said, and this means, God, from a narrow place we called to you, and you answered <laughs> <laughs> from a wide, expansive place. <laughs> and everybody laughed, and we went on, wow. and they got married. That is amazing. There's a time for everything. And you... Wound up in the news. We wound up in the news, <laughs> which was kind of really fun. Right, right. <laughs> Do you think that it would have you would have taken it the same if you weren't in that capacity when it happened? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if maybe that being being also in that role and sometimes the role of clergy mm-hmm. does help me rise when I know I'm role modeling or when I know I'm being called upon to be a presence, it helps me access that presence. So outside of the elevator example, you know, um, when things can be really tough in a community, when there's a lot of panicky energy, um, it helps to keep me centered to remember that people are looking to me for that Mm -hmm. and helps me dive deeper and 
on a bad day that can feel like a burden, mm-hmm. but on a good day, which is most days, it feels like uh, a privilege and a, a blessing right. because I have to go there and I go there and it's good for me too. Mm-hmm. So um, this role, we, we sometimes feel it's a lot of pressure. There can be a lot of burnout. Um, but there's also something that if so, it, it calls forth in me that is good for me too. Right. Uh, and that's the blessing. Wow. That's one of the blessings of this work, for sure. Mm. And we're also called upon to make meaning of our experiences. Right. You know, um, I think as clergy, we find a lot of places to... I think as clergy, we look at a lot of different things as text. Mm. Right? So we have the text of our traditions, but we also have the text of our lives. And one of the discerning things is... Um, when can my life be a text for others? (laughs) And one of the strengthening things about being clergy, I think, is that you sometimes look at your life that way and it can help you through things. Um, So I lost my sister to suicide um, four years ago, last July. And um, so that was the hardest thing in my life, obviously by far. Um, it was cataclysmic it was shattering it was tragic it shifted the ground the ground shifted under me and then it my it changed me yeah you know and I got through it and I didn't think I could and I watched the grief I experienced the grief Shrinking, not in depth perhaps, but mm-hmm. in width. So, an image that I that I carry a lot is at the beginning. It was like this abyss everywhere, mm-hmm. and there was nowhere to walk. Right. And now it's still an abyss when I hit upon it, but it, the the circumference has shrunk, so I can walk around it. And there are mm-hmm. other parts of life, and sure, I stumble into it, but the walking paths in between grow larger and larger. And the stumbling is less and less, mm-hmm. even though it still happens. Right. And when I can use that to help someone through something, someone who feels there's no way out, mm-hmm. um, and I can say I made a no- I made a way out of no way. Yeah. And part of that is sure it's my own resilience, mm-hmm. but part of that is God, and part of that you can call it spirit, call it the force that keeps us moving forward. Right. Call it the fabric built that it's built into the fabric of the universe because that's certainly what Judaism teaches that resilience is built in to the fabric of the universe mm. um, there's a teaching that says God was creating the earth God creating the universe and, and it, it wouldn't stand it wouldn't work it wasn't it didn't work it didn't work and then God thought tshuva which means the process of turning and returning and repairing mm. and reorienting um and really, I would say at heart, resilience and right, moving forward. Right. Once God thought of that and put that, sewed that essentially into the fabric of the universe, it could stand. Mm. And so I think my life bears witness to that. My journey, which will never end, um, bears witness to that. And that's another blessing of this work is that it pushes me to think that way, to see that way, to be more expansive, to look for the deeper meaning so that I can share it with others. 
Um, so I'm grateful that I do this work, even on hard days. I, I remain very grateful. Right. What would you say to somebody who cannot see a way around an abyss? Um, well, I've had to say it, unfortunately. A couple different things. Um, I think the first thing that I say is I really hear you. I can imagine or maybe I know what it feels like to be in that place where you can see no light, only dark. Um, And let's just honor how painful that is. So here's a space to say, yeah, I hear that. I see it. I witness you. I validate you. We're doing this together. Yes. One. Mm -hmm. Two is to say, you can't see it right now, but I can see it. I am holding that light for you. I have seen so many people through this. I have been through this. Um, I I know life is long. (laughs) Um, I've seen it in the cycles of the Jewish people. I've seen it in cycles in every people, right? Right. Um, And in individuals. That you may not be able to see this right now, but I'm going to hold that reality for you. So know there is someone here who both knows us, sees you and sees beyond this moment for you and is holding that for you. And then the third is, of course, helping them to get help (laughs) if they need it um, and offering a prayer. And and then my prayer has to be when they leave my presence, first knowing that I did everything I needed to do in terms of being responsible, um, is to just hope and pray that some of that is received and we just have to trust and it won't always be mm-hmm. but we still gotta keep giving it right right. and I can say that from knowing that my sister couldn't receive it but I gotta keep giving it so I do mm. thank you for sharing that sure it reminds me of <clears throat> I actually recently heard this, the footsteps in the sand. Have you heard of that? Yeah. You want to say what that is? Um, basically, it's this poem where uh, a guy is basically talking to God and he's saying, Lord, I saw these footsteps. I saw my footsteps and your footsteps, like these two pairs walking in the sand. It was basically my life, and that just showed me that you were with me all the time. But then there were parts of my life, like really tough parts, where there was only one pair of footsteps. And and so he asked him, why did you leave me in those times? And basically God says, actually it was in those times that I carried you. And Amen. Amen. Hmm. And I think, you know, that makes me weep as you speak it and remind me of that. And I think for even for people who are not clearly theists, right, that there's so much that holds us up. Mm-hmm. 
some of us see that as God. Some of us see that as one another. Some of us see that as God working through one another. Some of us see that as spirit of life working through one another and through us. And um, I think that concept is powerful and can be accessible um, to everyone. But we need to tell that. You know, we need to we need to tell that story. Right. A lot in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. What in this world gives you the most joy? My son. Mm. <laughs> Ruben. <laughs> talk about Ruben. Oh, I could talk about Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, at one point I was in spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as a director. I've been a director, but I was a directee. Gotcha. And I was saying, you know, my, my prayer life is really dry. I'm not praying. And she said, well, 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 wait a minute. That's not what I'm hearing. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) She said, well, you just told me that every night you put your son to bed. And when you... Put, so I'll put it in the eye now. <laughs> when I put my son to bed, we we have these series of rituals that we do every single night, mm-hmm. reflecting on the day. It's almost like an Ignatian examine, yeah. but a Jewish version. Uh, um, or maybe the examine is the, 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 the Ignatian right, version right, of something that we call cheshbon hanefesh, taking stock of our, of our day and mm-hmm. of our souls. Right, right. Um, and for me, that being with him in that moment, regardless of what words we say to one another or we say out loud, that is holy ground. Mm. Like that is the universe just opening up before me. Yeah. Because I'm so unbelievably grateful that I have this child who is amazing to watch grow. Mm. I stand and just witness in absolute awe of this human unfolding in my house yeah. <laughs> next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how could this even be possible? Mm. Plus, he's such a lovely soul. You know, I really like him. Right. <laughs> I really like him. And, and he's really fun and lovable. And so, you know, the spiritual director said to me, it sounds like you talk to God every night. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so I am on a journey. Right. Um, wow. He brings that relationship, that the blessing that it is to be his mother, to walk through life with him. It's just, for me, it is joy over and over and over and over and over again, mm. even through the hard times. Yeah. And so I love, I mean, I before him, it was my, my work was the thing that would come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and my marriage, you know, lots of good things. Right, right. Um, and those things are still true. Yeah. I mean, those still bring me a tremendous amount of joy. I love what I do. I love the people in my life. Um, but there's something about that. And I didn't expect it. Mm. Didn't ex- wasn't even sure we were going to have kids. Yeah. Um, this is an unexpected bounty. Plus it's really hilarious. <laughs> i got a great <laughs> sense of humor. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I want to ask you about how you got to where you are with respect to you could have been anything else in a good Jewish person. Why did you decide to make your vocation 
what it is? I think it was a moment of utter insanity. <laughs> I lost touch with reality and signed the paper that said I'm going to rabbinical school. And I regret it every ever day. since. <laughs> I still ask myself that when I feel like I'm carrying the burden of this community or in the middle of all their fighting about the bagels or about Israel-Palestine or about, you know, for any level of anything and how many many blessings should we say and there's too much Hebrew in the service and there's too little Hebrew in the service. Rabbi, I wish you would speak more. Rabbi, I wish you would speak less. Mm. You know, sometimes I go, what? What was I? I wasn't thinking. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But that aside... Oh, gosh. You know, I think the truth of the matter is, I get asked this a lot, Mm -hmm. and I tell it the story from different angles because I think I'm still trying to figure out sort of what really drove me to this work. Mm -hmm. And I'm beginning to think now, in your presence as you ask this, (laughs) that the true answer is, I didn't know what else to do. Which sounds a little bit like by default, but actually I think perhaps that was the way the call to this work came to me. That I was very involved in Judaism as a child and loved going to services with my family. It was, for me, it was a very special time. A lot of it was in English. I understood it. The community was very warm. There was a woman rabbi, so part of the time, and a great guy rabbi, too, and it just didn't have any of the overlays of um, sexism, or and the prayer book was beautiful. The music was beautiful. And then I became, as a teenager, I was really like a, I was a serious feminist. Mm -hmm. I still think I am. (laughs) Um, And my thing is, like, um, we won't need feminism when women have arrived at full equality, and then I'll, I'll be a humanist then. Yeah. I'm a humanist already, you know, but right, like we right. still have things we got to get to. Of course. Um, of course. So I couldn't really deal with Judaism because it was so, the language was is very um, male. Some of the imagery is very militaristic. There mm-hmm. are just things that I thought, I don't connect with this yeah. when I really de- get a better understanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. But it kept pulling on me. It kept, I couldn't leave it, but I tried. I, I, you know, I didn't even really, I just didn't go to see, you know, I didn't try to do something else, but I just, right, ah. right. And, I, and, and there were all different ways in which it just kept pulling things, people, experiences kept pulling me back. Yeah. And at one point I said, well, this tradition seems to have a claim on me that I don't even understand. But now I, I want to reclaim it. Mm. If that's going to be the case, okay, fine. I'm going to figure out how to make this my own. Right. That's really what sent me to seminary in a certain way, was my own spiritual journey. Mm. Less than a view of becoming a rabbi. Right. And every year, I would have a great year, and every summer I'd go, do I really want to be a rabbi? <laughs> I love Judaism, but do I love the Jewish people? <laughs> do I really want to do this? And then I had a... Um, it's a six-year program, so it was plenty of years to think about it. Yeah. And I had an experience in a elder care center where suddenly the work from the classroom and the real lives of these people were coming together. Mm. And I started to see, whoa, this is really powerful. Mm-hmm. 
for them and for me and it's meaningful and it's interesting to try to translate what I'm thinking about intellectually with like real life challenges and wow there is something that is enduringly relevant here that I wasn't sure there was but there seems to help this woman go through losing her husband or whatever it is It, it, it came to life and then I sort of stopped asking that question because of whether or not I should, you know, just quit the whole thing. Right, right. Because it was amazing to see it in action. That sustains me in it when I see it actually moving people and having an effect. Right. And what's hard is when the times when I feel like, you know, I'm just sort of me and the tradition or just kind of screaming out there and <laughs> nothing's <laughs> happening. <laughs> but you, you, you know, you, you walk through that. Right. So I think that in a way, it's like I, I never I really knew what, it, what else to do. In fact, again, to bring my mom back in the story and my dad, too, this time, I, had, I was in Israel mm-hmm. when I made this decision because after college, I had all these feelings of like, oh, maybe Judaism, I should, let me go to Israel and like immerse myself and explore this. And I did. And I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I, I called them from Israel. I'm sure they were very happy about the bill. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I think I, think I want to go to rabbinical school. And my mom said, I knew it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> but now he likes to rub, he, like, he says, I like to rub my belly, pat my belly and be like, my daughter's a rabbi. <laughs> so I'm very proud. But I think they could see it, you right, know. Um, right. But it sort of came as like, yeah, as a sort of a surprise to me, I guess. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting to think about it for me now in this moment mm-hmm. of as maybe the way the call came was through. I don't know what else, yeah. you know. And this somehow made sense mm. because we think of these big dramatic calls, mm. you know which is not very Jewish language to begin with, honestly. I mean, it is in our tradition, but it hasn't been picked up that much. But maybe it was just a real subtle being led, mm. pointed from behind. Thank you for asking. It's helpful for me to think about yeah, it. Thank you. So, can I end with like a series of quick questions? Rapid fire. Cool. It's like on those TV shows, funded shows. <laughs> Is Jordan cool or not? Yes, he is. Okay, next. (laughs) If you could give one piece of advice to a student, regardless of religious affiliation, to better their lives, what would it be? I have to do that fast? No, no, you don't have to answer it fast. I'm just going to ask. I have to think. One piece of advice. I'm on a ship. And I have 10 seconds before it sinks to give my advice. Well, that would be elevator. different advice. I'm in an elevator. I breathe. <laughs> um, like a Georgetown student? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think from, you know, there's so many incredible opportunities at this university and in university life in general. And um, this is a time where you're really starting to break old patterns and question old assumptions and re-examine what you knew as you learn new things, right? And then kind of author your life in a new way and your thoughts and create a new, your frameworks moving forward. So why not do that with your religious traditions as well? I don't mean switch religious traditions unless that's where it leads you, but um, 
but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity that here we have really laid out before you. Um, I would say take it and, and know that we are a non-judgmental community, who, who, all of us, all of the clergy here. And um, yeah, so there's an opportunity to re-examine and recreate for yourselves a religiosity or a spiritual life or a participation in a religious community. Right. That is kind of a rare gift, and I would say, take it. Yeah. I love that. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, what would it say and where would you put it? (laughs) I think I would put it over the separation wall in Israel and Palestine Mm -hmm. on both sides. What would it say? Something like, for the sake of our children, Mm. or think of the children, or stronger together. Right, right. (laughs) That's what leaps to mind. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot, I know there are a lot of other banners that I would put up. (laughs) have a long row. I got a long list in a lot of places. <laughs> um, that's a great thought experiment. I'll have to think more about it. Mm. Best advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh. There's so much advice I've received. Thankfully in my life. Well, I'll tell you the best advice. The advice that is resonating with me most at this moment in my life takes us back to that elevator where the whole community Mm. stepped up you don't have to go at it alone Mm. any of it and when you feel like you do (laughs) stop check yourself wonder why you think you have to do it all yourself why you have to answer every question do everything at work be everyone to your partner all of the you know whatever those things are Mm -hmm. stop and say wait a minute why am I thinking this way? And even if you can't answer that, it doesn't matter. Remind yourself, I don't have to do this alone. And reach out. And I really mean everything. Like, I didn't have to uplift that entire elevator community <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I don't have to write every sermon for all the high holidays. There are lots of people who have wisdom to share that aren't me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't have to be the only support system for my friend in need because I can't be. I will fail alone. That's a rule to live by, I think. And not always an easy one for those of us that are so independent or, you know, think we can do it all or feel like for some reason we have to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a sort of a counter-cultural message. Mm -hmm. That is the best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah. On the flip side of that, worst advice you've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> that list is probably equally as long as the good advice I've gotten. <laughs> Whoa! Worst advice I've ever received? Okay. Oh. Sleep when you're dead. <laughs> that is so 
so bogus. <laughs> That's really bad advice. I will not. I do not accept that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything else? I'm, I'm just sure I've gotten tons of it. Um, or maybe yeah. what's common advice that you hear that you're just like, that's wrong. Mm. Like, which... What you just said is one of those things. Yeah. I definitely see that a lot. Right. And 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 also just push yourself to the limit. I, I don't... I mean, in some situations, maybe in athletics or, you know, in certain situations, that's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. But in many, it's just destructive. And there's nothing left for the next moment. Um, I, I, I think we are very convinced... That more is more. I mean, this may be cliche at this point, but there's reason things are cliche because they <laughs> actually are enduring. Right. You know, right. less is more. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn that over and over again. It's not like anybody gave me the advice when I was a child. More is more, honey. You know, do more. Overcommit, you know. <laughs> Try. Like, see what you can squeeze in. But somehow that's like the it's in the water we drink. It's it's in the air we breathe and you see and in our lives in this country. And beyond some in some abstract way, it actually diminishes my appreciation of my life when I'm too busy. It 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 ruins a lot of things for me. Right. Because I can't enjoy any of them because I'm thinking about the next thing and I'm not present. Or I start being resentful because so many people need things from me. Well, I made those commitments in the beginning. So in terms of being satisfied in life mm-hmm. and being able to be grateful and, and happy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Cut that beep out <laughs> and slow it down. Say yes when you really want to say yes. Right. And say no even when you kind of do want to say yes. Mm-hmm. Realizing that the other yes is bigger and you you don't want to be in a position where you just sort of kind of hate everything. Right, right. And I have to learn it over and over again. That's what I feel like happens a lot where I'm starting to think that this whole journey of life is not really about learning but relearning. You know, there are so many things that I struggle with now that when I finally get the answer, it was something that I learned at 13, you know? But it was just life happens and you forget it. I don't know. It's just relearning the core lessons that intellectually you already know. And I I, I think you relearn them or maybe you learn the things you know in a deeper way. Mm. That you return to the same things but when you come back you get them on a deeper level you've experienced them in a more expansive more relevant more multiple ways you know you've said oh yeah here's that again but even more or I get it from another angle right and there's something kind of cool about that because it's our same challenges but you can still track the growth right? and feel the growth. Yeah. Well, it's kind of going back to what you said at the beginning of the interview where God said, like, for some reason, this just isn't working. But the cycle, it's like returning back to 
the things that are already there, but it's like as it's cycling around. Well, we think of it actually as a spiral. Mm. So you cycle back, but you're at a higher point. Imagine a spiral spiraling up and up and up, right? right? You're coming right. around, but there is always movement at the mm. same time in some direction. There is a journey, even though there are cycles within it. So you return to the same point, but it's different. Right. It's more elevated. It's deeper. You're in a different way understanding something that you once knew. Mm. So... Before I give the last question, I just want to thank you so much. Like, this has been amazing. Uh, so glad we finally got it on the calendar. And Thank you, Jordan, um, too. You know, it, 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 that you care enough to ask what I think about life. Right. Because that gives meaning to my life to share with you. And uh, and it helps me take mm -hmm. the next steps as I have to synthesize this. So it's a it's a mitzvah mm. for me. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Of course. Last question. Yep. How often do you dance now? Did I tell you I used to dance? No, you didn't. Did you find it somewhere? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Our wonderful colleague, Sarah Holland. She told you. She told me. Okay, I thought maybe there was some video of when I was 20. I thought, oh no, is that on YouTube? How did, how much did I'll you I'll start dig? doing research. Oh, not enough. No. That was my first love. You throw that to me in the last two minutes. <laughs> I, to this day, find an absolute spiritual high, or what, we, what I call a unitive experience, right. when I watch what for me is really good contemporary dance. Mm. It just, the beauty of it is so profound for me. Um, and so I've always love to watch and to dance and to choreograph. I used to choreograph. Mm. That was really my thing in college. Right, right. Um, and if, if I hadn't done the Rabinette, I think I would have liked to have been a choreographer. Mm. Oh, for sure. Or a rock star. Yeah. You know, but oh, that's kind of like, who doesn't want to be wear leather pants and be a rock star? I mean, come on. <laughs> but there are similar aspects to it. But what I, what I used to love um, was creating an experience, creating a visual experience yeah, yeah. with other people. Mm. And I could dance okay, but I worked with dancers who were really good mm. and in college and beyond. And um, I like to sort of like figure things out of my own body, but then give them to them and see what they could do with them. And it was amazing what they could do with them. <laughs> right, right. And they also stamped their own individual souls on them. Mm. And so it was something about that communication, that in between something in me that spoke to something in them that then they could carry and create something else out of. Um, there's something about that about being a rabbi too. I was about to say, it's like you are dancing. Oh, <laughs> Lou, you make me cry. Thank you. <laughs> it's a similar thing when I work with with young people and doing this work. It's different, but it's similar. It's that conversation of life, you know, and finding a new way and creating something that wasn't there before, and saying no, it doesn't have to be the way it was given to me there's no 
there's a there's no script there's guidelines mm. but I get to bring this to life um, that's what I love about a rabbit on a college campus so I still I still watch a lot of dance yeah. I still have religious experiences of dance <laughs> I still am very critical of dance I don't like mm. but I keep it to myself <laughs> I just say, no, that's for you, not for me. Well, <laughs> but, um, and now maybe with this little, uh, maybe I'll get back in the studio maybe. someday if my old bones can handle it, <laughs> which I don't think they can. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. So much.